Chapter 16 Southeast Alaska Cole's pulse quickened as the island drifted into view. It had been fall the last time he made this trip. Then he had been wearing handcuffs and had almost lost his life. Now spring air chilled his skin. Behind Cole sat Garvey and Edwin, joking with each other and gripping the gunnels to brace themselves. There had been a heavy chop ever since they left Drake an hour ago. Cole looked back. It had been a month since Edwin first announced this return to the island, and, true to his word, he had insisted that every penny of the second banishment be funded with the sale of Cole's belongings in Minneapolis. If Cole wasted this chance, nobody else would pay a penny. It had irked Cole, watching his sports gear, including his dirt bike, snowmobile, bicycle, skis, and even his helmet, all sold through a newspaper ad like some junk at a cheap garage sale. He squirmed on the hard aluminum boat seat. The sale no longer bothered him. If he screwed things up now, he could lose much more than a snowmobile. As the skiff circled the point into the bay, Cole felt a rush of excitement. He scanned the thick timbered slopes. Low, overcast skies made the forests as forbidding as he remembered them. Was the spirit bear still out there prowling like a ghost under the thick canopy of spruce trees? The thought of the big animal sent a shudder down Cole's spine. He kept eyeing the trees as the boat approached the shore. Jump out and keep the bow off the rocks, Edwin ordered. Cole removed his shoes and flung them ashore. Then, obediently, he vaulted over the side into hip-deep water. The icy cold grabbed at his breath and reminded him of his attempt to escape the island. That swim now seemed like a nightmare from another lifetime. He must have been crazy. Wind blowing directly into the small protected bay had churned up a heavy surf, and Cole fought to steady the heaving boat. It was hard not being able to grip strongly with his right hand. Garvey swung himself into the water on the opposite side and helped guide the skiff to shallower water. Then, with Cole struggling to hold the bow, Edwin passed ashore the heavy boxes of basic supplies they had brought to go with the building materials delivered earlier by a larger boat. When the skiff floated empty, Edwin stepped into the water and all three dragged the aluminum boat out of the surf over the rocks and well above high tide mark. Try to swim away in this water and it'll kill you, Edwin warned Cole. I won't be running away, Cole said, retrieving his shoes. Already his feet were numb from the water. We'll see, won't we? Edwin said. So, what do we do first? Cole asked, looking up toward Treeline at the stack of building materials. We don't do anything, Garvey said. Everything is up to you now. Edwin and I will stay a few days until you finish building the shelter. Any questions? Fine. But you're carrying the ball now. You're going to prove your commitment. Get a fire going first, then set up the tent. The two men headed down the shoreline. Garvey called back. Have supper ready in two hours. Standing alone, Cole eyed the aluminum skiff sitting unguarded. If he wanted to escape, now would be the perfect time. He shook his head. This time he would stay. He began scouring the shoreline for firewood. When the men returned two hours later, they found Cole still putting up the tent. Why isn't supper ready? Edwin asked. Cole walked to an old plastic cooler and pulled out raw hot dogs. It is, here. 
When he saw the two men scowl, he added, Just be glad I didn't take the boat while you were gone. That would have been a real trick, Edwin said. What do you mean? Edwin reached in his jacket pocket and pulled out a spark plug. Engines don't run without spark plugs. You didn't trust me, Cole said. That's right, said Edwin. Garvey and I believe in your potential, but you haven't earned trust. Not trying to escape in the skiff is a good first step. What would you guys do if I refused to cook anything? Cole said with a wry smile as he sharpened a sapling for a hot dog stick. Garvey crouched beside the fire and reached his palms toward the flames to warm up. First, we get hungry, and then we take you back to Minneapolis. What's the big deal if I fix a hot dog or not? Cole asked. It's not the end of the world. The whole world is a hot dog, Garvey said. What does that mean? Go ahead, eat a hot dog and I'll show you. Cole poked a raw hot dog onto the stick and held it over the fire. He hadn't realized how hungry he was, so he held the hot dog in the flames to cook faster. All the while, Edwin and Garvey stared patiently. When the hot dog was charred, Cole placed it on a bun. Now what? He asked. Eat it. Cole squirted on a glob of ketchup, then devoured the hot dog. Edwin and Garvey kept watching. There, Cole said, finishing. I ate the hot dog. Now what? How was it? Garvey asked. Cole shrugged. Okay, I guess. Why? That hot dog did exactly what you asked it to do. You asked it to feed you, and it fed you. No more, no less. Garvey held out his hand. Pass me a hot dog. Cole pulled another one from the cooler and handed it across the flames. Garvey took the hot dog carefully in his hands and examined it. This is a fine hot dog, he said. The finest I've seen all day. Carefully, he slid it onto the stick. He started humming. Soon, Edwin hummed along. For 10 minutes, they hummed the melody over and over. All the while, Garvey patiently turned the hot dog over the coals, careful not to burn it. Finally, when the hot dog was a glistening, crispy brown, Garvey drew the stick back from the fire. The song we hummed is a song of friendship, he explained. What are the words? Cole asked. There are no words, because each person makes up his own. That's how friendship is. As Garvey spoke, he rummaged through the cooler, pulling out salt and pepper, cheese, a plate, cups, and a tomato. He leaned a bun against a rock near the coals to let it toast lightly, then wrapped it around the hot dog. You gonna eat that thing or play with it all day? Cole asked. Garvey smiled and kept working. He cut the hot dog into three pieces on a plate and lightly shook on salt and pepper. Then he cut slices of cheese and tomato and put them on top. With a flare, he added a small circle of ketchup to each. Last, he poured three glasses of water. He handed one to Cole and one to Edwin. This is a toast to friendship, he said, raising his glass. After taking a drink, he handed Cole and Edwin each a piece of the hot dog he had prepared. Well, that's your hot dog, said Cole. Yes, it is. And I choose to share it, said Garvey. He began eating, savoring each bite. Eat slowly, he said, raising his cup again to toast. Here's to the future. After each bite, he raised his cup for a different toast. Here's to good health. Here's to the sun and the rain. Here's to the earth and the sky. <laughs>
When everybody had finished eating, Garvey turned to Cole. How was my hot dog different from yours? Cole shrugged. You shared yours and acted like it was a big deal. Garvey nodded. Yes, it was a big deal. It was a party. It was a feast. It was a sharing and a celebration. All because that is what I made it. Yours was simply food. Because that's all you chose for it to be. All of life is a hot dog. Make of it what you will. I suggest you make your time here on the island a celebration. Cole scuffed at the dirt with his shoe. What is there to celebrate? He asked. Discover yourself, Edwin said. Celebrate being alive. <laughs>